Video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you want to watch it. Hello, my name is Justin McClure, and I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast. We go through all this week's notable Blu-rays and DVDs. Oh, you got it right on that time. And today, we're starting with Edgar G. Ulmer's sci-fi collection. Three movies on one disc. One disc. So you've taken this set home. Are they? Do they look good all squeezed together on that one disc? I mean, they're only like, what, an hour and a little bit? Each, yep. And there are all the special features that were on the Man from Planet X disc, as well as new commentaries on Beyond the Ta- Time Barrier and The Amazing Transparent Man. So, as an Elmerhead, this is a must-buy. Yes. <laughs> wow, Mark coming in. Guns blazing. <laughs> uh, com- coming in hot. Coming in hot. Um, I mean, yeah, The I guess you're the resident Elmer head here. I am just, you know, watching from the sidelines. Watching from the sidelines. You haven't even seen Detour, you sick son of a gun. I haven't even seen Detour. I know. I think the only Elmer film I've seen shamefully, well, not shamefully because you'll you'll like this, is Bluebeard because you released that. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say... The Naked Dawn, no. uh, which is his Western, because you're a Western guy now. Yeah, I am, actually, so I got to get on that. Uh, but no, I think I don't, he's always a guy that I've been fascinated in and then just never taken the plunge. So I'm sorry. I will rectify that. I'm sorry. I think that the reason a lot of his films haven't been released is that they've been in the public domain and the distributors have been like, oh, do we want to put this out? Because if we do, then somebody else could take it and release it because there's a... A new scan from like five years ago of my sister's secret that played at like one of those like LA National Archive screenings and it's never come out and it's like why I don't understand <laughs> well I definitely think people are starting to come back around to him again like his stuff is selling well this set is selling well um so I feel like the name is starting to stick with people. I don't know. I think it's because it's sci-fi stuff. That's why people are buying it. They're like, oh, yes, please give me these fairly slow and plotting movies. Some of them with good visuals. Others that are just bad, like The Amazing Transparent Man. What? Yeah, what one's the best on here? Is it The Man from Planet X? Oh, uh, the best is definitely Beyond the Time Barrier because it's really odd. And it has such a hilariously depressing ending. Probably the most iconic for uh, the older people is Man from Planet X because the alien. <laughs> The and old the folks. fog and shrouded kind of feel to it all. And so, yeah, so you get three, and it's the price of a normal Kino Blu-ray, yeah, it's I pretty, think. I mean, it's 30 bucks. I mean, for three and movies. Now i got to get rid of this Man from Planet X Blu-ray. I'm I know, I know. And I mean, I think Shout put all three of these out on like a four DVD set or something with something else. Yeah, yeah I didn't they used to up, do those though. cult movie marathon collections. Remember those? Speaking of cult movies, Kino's putting out tentacles. Woo! Woo! Or as I like to call it. Tentacole. And did you watch this one, Mark? I mean, I know you're not going to do your due diligence in the Ulmer, but a Jaws ripoff? Well, I've seen this years ago. And um, yeah, due diligence. (laughs) Are you telling me you're not a fan of Tentacole? You know what I love? It's score. It has an amazing score that I use all the time. Oh, it's great. You know what? I got I got a real love for this movie. I mean, yeah, Jaws ripoffs in general just really speak to me. But well, Kino doesn't because look at this. Not even a single special feature on this. What's going on? But yeah, Kino's just digging into the show factory vaults because they also put this one out on a double pack with Reptilicus, I believe, at one point. That's right. Yeah. yeah and that's where I initially saw it. I borrowed somebody's Blu-ray who had that. And uh 
Yeah, I don't know. I just always have had a real soft spot for this movie. I mean, I really like a video, Asinitis. He is a favorite of mine. Uh, the Italian schlock. My, or is he Italian? I don't even know. He's from, well, he's born in Egypt and lived in Greek, so Greece. So. But anyways, he's the man behind Beyond the Door, The Visitor, uh, lots of great trash movies. In life, you're either, when it comes to boring shark movies, a tentacles guy or a monster shark guy. Yeah, I'm just a tentacles guy. I just find this really funny. I love the tentacles just sliding around everywhere. And I love all the old faded stars and, you know, directors like John Huston. You got Shelley Winters. Henry Fonda's in here all like hamming it up big time and yeah I don't know there's just a I just have a lot of fun with this movie always had and I'm glad they've put it out again even if there's not many special features I'll probably I'll probably buy this because I never bought it before Mark has not watched this movie in a long time <laughs> so no, I watched it a few years ago again it holds up I'm surprised you think it's so boring were you baked on a scale of one to crunk definitely baked uh, definitely definitely at the more towards the crunked level <laughs> I don't even know is crunk something the kids say these days <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're we're old men over here talking about that. I don't know. I feel like that's kind of the only way you should be watching a movie called Tentacles. Right? Whoa, whoa. Big breaking news as I look at Twitter. Watchers 2 is coming out on Blu-ray. <laughs> I'm only saying that because it always makes me f- uh, laugh when I see like uh, sites being like, boop, 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 breaking news, breaking news, Watchers 2. <laughs> Some yeah, some movie you don't care about coming out on Blu-ray. I'm more of a Watchers Three guy because that was directed by uh, the Canadian director of Abraxas, Guardian right, of the Universe, which is a clap. Where's the uh, spiffy collector's edition of Abraxas? I feel like no one has a print of it, and. The one print that existed was junked by uh, the certain company who had it. <sighs> That's such a shame. Somebody needs to get on if that. If you saw it when we showed it at the you know, last I miss, uh, I screening. know, I missed your screening, unfortunately. Uh, I've only ever seen Abraxas That's why we on... don't do it anymore, Mark. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I ruined it for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, uh, I've only ever seen that movie on the bad public... Dollar public Hollywood video DVD. <laughs> so many different public domain releases of it, which, you know, still watchable, but... But, you know, barely, barely watch. Arrow is plumbing the Shaw Brothers catalog still and making you wonder, wait, wasn't that on the box set that they put out? No! Yeah, I know. Every time they release one of these, I'm like, I swear this title I saw on the Shaw set. And the no. eight diagram pole fighter, considered by many to be one of the best martial arts films of all time. Or Lark Carlung, the director, action choreographer, co-stars, masterwork. It's good. Better? Where does this one rank on the, the Shaw scale <laughs> uh it's one of the best very dark uh its star passed away uh during shooting which led to some changes that are very violent within the context of the movie would recommend but listen you got that big shaw brothers box set sitting on your shelf you haven't watched all of them yet get to that before you get to this how do they decide like they got the shaw set two coming out money, and money, then money. they're just doing into like but which ones which money. ones do they pull for individuals like does their because there's some big films on the set, too, that could have their own individual releases. So I wonder if they're going off the 88 films model, who they're just like, uh, whatever we can get. Here it is. Like Flag of Iron. <laughs> yeah, you like Flag of Iron, right? People eat those up. Is there just like a new hunger for classic martial arts, classic kung fu films now? Because, uh, yeah, it seems like every single... It doesn't matter what movie comes out, they all sell like crazy. If you look at YouTube... There's like 5 million views on the most obscure uh, martial arts film. So 
people gobble that up. I don't know why recently it's been so big because VCI put out those films with the leg fighters and you couldn't give those away. Oh my God. Yeah. Those ones. Yeah. Those ones didn't go. But yeah, since both Arrow and maybe because the Arrow and 88 films won, they just look bigger. Yeah. They've got the stamp of approval. They're a little like thicker box sets. Yeah. VCI just didn't have their packaging game on. I guarantee if VCI upped their packaging, they would sell more. Severin this week has put out The Forbidden Door. Don't open that door, Mark. Yeah. Don't open it. Now, this is a long time coming. I am very excited about this, and I know you are too. Yeah, I like this director's films. <laughs> I I did like this director's films. Joko Anwar. I like Gundala, his superhero film, until the last 40 minutes, where I'm like, no, you dropped the ball. You know, I didn't see that one, but I, his more... I think you asked me if you should watch it, and I said, no, not for you. Well, his more recent... I just feel like he's gotten a little too mainstream, so to speak. His recent horror efforts are just not good. Well, I wrote a review for The Forbidden Door, and I was like, ah, The Conjuring, the worst thing to happen to horror films since the ring oh my god i know because yeah his recent stuff especially because i feel like satan's slave his remake of satan's slaves was kind of like a bigger international breakthrough for him recently and it's just like a bland conjuring movie to me like it's fine it's got a few Isn't moments Impedigore like that as well his other horror film that he made is a bit more of that like rural folk horror type thing like there's a bit of that like midsummer vibe but, like, yeah, that one I hated, too. That one I hated more just because the characters are so incredibly stupid and he just seems to, like, want to stupidly punish them the whole time. And it just, I don't know, it didn't didn't work for me. At one point, Joko Anwar, Anwar was making mind-bending, like, psychological horror freakouts, which I was very much into at a time. Do you like David Lynch? Yeah. I do, which is exactly why. And that's what he's doing here. Yeah, and I remember, so I remember seeing this at the Toronto After Dark Film Festival, which I'm sure you were probably at too. No, right? I was not at that one, but my friend was, and he talked about this movie yeah, a lot. Yeah, so, and the only reason I went to see it, it was because it was on a double bill with uh, Trick or Treat, which was playing later that night. I did see Trick or Treat. Yeah, okay, so I wanted, that was the one I wanted to see, and because they had those double bill pricings, we just decided, ah, let's just check out this Indonesian horror movie. Never heard of the guy, never heard of anything. Sounds interesting. And I ended up liking The Forbidden Door way more than I liked Trick or Treat, and I couldn't stop talking about it, and it just, I kept thinking it was going to come out in some way at some point after, and it hasn't. I know there's certain like bootlegs of it flying around out there, but there's never been an official North American release. Why is that? That was the glut of Asian horror coming out. And that was, I feel like, where Joko Anwar sort of became, at first, a little bit more well-known internationally. Because I know a ton of people talked about that movie. And then subsequently, his movies after that came out, even though they weren't that big. Like uh, his film Ritual, which he made a few years after, which is also really good and also is kind of a Lynchian sort of head trip. That came Came out on DVD and Blu-ray here and then a few others and obviously his new stuff comes out and a lot of it's on Shutter. but for some reason this one I don't know it must have been tied up in some weird right weird rights issue or something because as far as I'm aware it never played past festivals in North America until now and now it's on Blu-ray 
And it's got commentary with Joko, an interview with Joko, I think some short films that he made. Yeah, it's pretty stacked. Yeah, Severin has done a really good job on this. Style note, Severin. There's an interview with Joko on this, and it does one of the things I like the least in interviews. You see the question on, like, black text Uh, for, like, 15 seconds before you see it answered. You don't need to see the question. Just have him answer it. Doesn't really matter. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care about that. Yeah, just have him answer a question. And, like, you don't even need to hear it because, you know, the answer's probably good enough. So did this hold up for you when you, like, you watched this again recently? I had never seen it. Oh, really? Okay, for some reason I thought you'd nah, seen this back I never in the got day. into, like, this is the period of, like, post-ring horror. Okay, So okay. I was like, no, thank you. But it's not really that, because it's more like Takashi Miike ripping off. Oh, totally. Definitely Takashi Miike vibes. I get the influences, like, Miike, like, David Lynch are very strong here, but... I just had a great time with this. Uh, so I don't know. Did you like it? Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit, even though it has an ending where it's like, come on, man. Nobody tell him like, you don't need to. You don't need the ending. You know, I just I kind of I kind of like where. Yeah, obviously no spoilers here, but, you know, just go and go and watch it. But it does. It has the most cliche ending a wild movie can have. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I, I kind of have a soft spot for so Did that ending happened in the version you saw in theaters so i knew some other people who were there that night and it was so this was at the bloor theater when they were still doing it there and it was in the middle of the summer and it was so hot that the air conditioning wasn't working and then at one point the projector died i thought the projector died during trick-or-treat but then somebody else i know who was at the screening said it died at the end of the forbidden door and that we never saw the real ending and i was like yeah because that's what my friend said he said the door opens in like nothing is there yeah and i'm like wow i guess my memory is really that bad so i just don't remember so yeah i guess maybe i've never seen the full true ending to this well i'm thinking that maybe they reshot something at the end yeah that's what's that's what i think and i just my memory is clearly so bad that i can't remember things a decade prior but uh this is still regardless of ending no ending whatever this is still my favorite joko and and for a movie called the forbidden door it only gets mentioned once before the climax because there's so much bullshit or crazy stuff going on that's the thing i feel like it does kind of lead you in a few different directions and then kind of it could have been called fetus somewhere art else. instead. Like, yeah, there's a lot of different things going on to throw you off the track. All right. Next up, we have Criterion. They don't get mentioned that much on the show, right? <laughs> we don't care about Criterion. Criterion? Who? Walker is coming out. The Alex Cox film, which I don't think has been available since they put it out on DVD, yeah, right? Yeah, they just they put it out on DVD, I don't know, mid-2000s, and they haven't upgraded it until now, even though they've you know upgraded the other alex cox stuff they put out like sid and nancy yeah the ones that people really um, like repo man this is obviously the one that's notoriously known for ruining his hollywood career because nobody liked it and it's like like walker more than i like repo man no i think uh walker's great and i think it's a great cult film and i think it's just one of those things where you know you know when you're making like a historical type movie for like a studio i think they just expect a certain thing which is not like anachronisms and like this weird punk vibe but i mean it's also alex cox so what did you expect right i thought that the ed harris contingent would show up for you know boost those numbers and they didn't how dare they when yeah when did ed harris become well known that was what i was thinking you know at one point like he he started in uh the was that it was that where he was like became really famous for some reason for me it's like it's the rock made him like famous to like where he's the villain in the mainstream audience but yeah i guess in the abyss he was definitely george romero's (laughs) night riders that's where everybody remembers him from 
Oh, he's in Apollo 13. Yes, of course. Yeah, you know, it was like that mid-90s period where I like... I really remember him from Apollo 13 and The Rock when I was a kid. Maybe that's just what I'm thinking of. He plays this role really well because the guy is pretty, you know, despicable in real life. And uh, he gives him that kind of like that snivelly sort of like like he he wants to do good, but he's just kind of such a so misguided. Uh, It's just such a such an interesting little historical film. You know, the title doesn't lie. He's always walking. He's walking a lot. He definitely walks. So, yeah, I think this movie's like built up a pretty big cult following since that time. It just it sucks that it did really kill Alex Cox's any semblance of a Hollywood career for him. Oh, yeah. Killed the only made like super low budget. Uh, indie stuff after which is totally great and i'm into that but um would have been interesting to see what he would be able to do on some bigger budgets uh, if he was given a few more chances so we also have fandango from warner archives now people have been demanding this disc and that's not me being sarcastic <laughs> like if you look at letterbox people are like when is the blu-ray coming out well it's here wow have they really this is news to me <laughs> uh and like fandango is the feature debut of Kevin Reynolds, the man who gave us Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, a film that seemingly no one watches anymore or talks about, and Waterworld. Yeah, it's just kind of boring. Yeah, so he's he's Kevin Costner's boy until they had a big following. And over. Fandango was adapted from a short film that he made. You can feel it when you watch the feature where you're like, this is a short's worth of plot. Yeah, and it is this week's... Blind Bye! Blind Bye! Blind Bye! <laughs> And this would be Justin's choice for a blind buy because this uh, is kryptonite to me in two different ways. Oh, I forgot you hate coming of age movies. Coming of age movies, which I generally just don't care much about. Don't you tell me you don't like Kevin Costner. (laughs) And B... Kevin Costner. You know I don't like Kevin Costner. I feel like multiple times I've talked about how I don't You're like Kevin Costner. You're going to alienate all of our Yellowstone <laughs> fans. Yellowstone. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Yellowstone fans. I just don't like him. I just don't like him. And what about Judd Hirsch? You love Judd Hirsch? That's not who. You mean Judd Nelson. <laughs> like Judd Hirsch? Yeah, Judd Nelson. Where's Judd, Judd Hirsch, Hirsch in Independence Day. <laughs> I, I do love Judd Hirsch. Judd Nelson. I Yeah, I've got a soft spot for Judd Nelson. Love Judd Nelson. No. And he gives a manic performance in this movie. He does. He does. Uh, and, you know, he jumps out of a plane. That takes up like 30 minutes of the movie. Great. Yeah, which takes up way too long. Um, but, you know, that's what the short film was. So I get oh, it. Oh, is that what the short was? I didn't even do any research. Oh, I thought, yeah, the short was just the um, skydiving sequence. That makes sense. Because that's like the bulk of the movie. Because that's the big scene. So basically, I mean, this is a coming of age movie set in the 70s. A bunch of co- recent college grads go on a... Who suck. Yeah, they all suck. They go on a on a cross-country... Well, not really. They just go to the Mexican border and try to discover some treasure or something. Well, they want to perhaps dodge the they draft. They want to dodge the draft. the draft. Yeah, it's that, like, Vietnam era sort of, like, post-college ennui. There's some weird bullshit where it's like, you gotta uh, live up to, uh, you know, your country's whatever. Like, you gotta go to Vietnam. It's like, don't, don't go. go. But yeah, no, I get it. That was a big thing at the time, the sort of, like, Vietnam era anxiety. And at one point, they're in the desert. They decide to do an impromptu skydiving session with a very uh, sketchy-looking skydiving company. <laughs> Judd Nelson goes up to prove that he's not a you know a weenie, what they keep calling him. He is a weenie in this movie. And then he, you know, they realize that he doesn't actually have a parachute, and he's got like a sack full of 
somebody's laundry so they're trying to get him not to jump and then he does jump and then he's got to pull the reserve and it's just this whole big sequence all right, you're you just know explaining the whole sequence whatever i mean it's all i really remember for that's like the only standout sequence in costner this movie. also is very sad because his friend is marrying the woman that he loves yeah so you know just like i just found this movie excruciatingly boring to be honest with you <laughs> I don't know. The more I thought about it, the less I've liked it, even though that my good friend, who we're going to talk about when we uh, mention the next film, uh, Yui Kitamura, director of Versus, this is his favorite film of all time. Yeah, I saw that, and um, that shocks me. But, you know, I think this does just resonate for certain people who came of age at that time, you know? Because I know... I mean, Yui Kitamura did not come of age during Vietnam. <laughs> well, maybe not who just saw it in the 80s when it was coming out. That's what I mean. Not not with Vietnam. But yeah, a friend of mine who uh, bought a copy of this and is older and did see it when he was a teenager, he really has a soft spot for it. So I think it's just like, if you grew up with it, sure. If not, I don't know. It's just like the same typical, like, you know, slight period piece coming of age movie with a bunch of, like, stupid white guys that just, I don't know, I don't really care about. You know about. what? I will take this over the Big Chill. You know, I've I've never actually seen the Big Chill, so maybe, yeah, you know what? I feel, yeah, I mean, well, Kevin Costner, right? You know, in a brief, brief moment. Hey, he's not in it. He's in one shot. He's in a dead body, I think. Yeah, so. I don't know, man. It's just like, I, maybe I just went into this with, like, knowing I was not going to like it. Because as soon as it started and I kind of, like, settled into what this was, I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to like this. And it just never got any better for me your dislike for coming of age movies is so baffling to me we've discussed this before. i just feel like they're all so similar and they're just like from such from one like boring perspective a lot of the time you know at least like the classic one at least the classic like american one yeah it's just like rich white guys who like yeah i get like there were real issues with you know having to potentially be drafted to vietnam and like i get that there's like post-college anxieties that we all felt but i just feel like these movies don't really do it in any sort of way that i can relate to so kevin reynolds ain't gonna be uh drafted because he was the son of the president of baylor college yes yeah, he's fine and that's the thing i feel like kevin reynolds is just like some kind of rich kid who went to film school yeah made a short film about like a skydiving incident like he got enough money to make a short about skydiving yeah like i just feel like this is not the coming of age perspective that i relate to yeah, i'm trying to think all. wait what's a coming of age film that you would relate to i mean i like you know dazed and confused stuff like that kicking and screaming the, the whole kicking and scream- you know stand by me obviously is like a, like I, there are classic ones wait you like stand by me i thought you would have been against oh, stand no, by I me. Love, but i think i grew up with stand by me i've watched it so many times right yeah maybe if i saw stand by me for the first time these days i'd be like yeah whatever is that we come of age at different parts of our life that there's not just once there's multiple times maybe i'm coming up to my next coming of age Where all you're gonna love is coming of age movies yeah exactly right you know what i did like i did like them for a certain time when i was younger and then i think i just i don't know it's like i grew out of it or i just didn't care anymore well, hopefully we can get back to you and you will be tattooing fandango on your body maybe yeah um it just had and you know kevin costner just like rubs me the wrong way i don't know what it is about that guy he just he's the swing vote <laughs> swing vote i don't know <laughs> he's laughing thinking the about funniest that movie. kevin costner on screen thing ever is in the madonna truth or dare oh where he's like oh that was okay where she calls him boring to his face basically 
<laughs> or calls him like a dork to his face because he is a dork i don't know he just he is a dork he just seems like a boring dad to me and i've never i don't think i've ever seen him in something where i'm like oh yeah he's good in that you know he's got to be in a sweaty neo-noir you know what no way out i, I like no way out that's that's decent i want him like doing a body heat imitation yeah see no way it was more like cold war paranoia thriller i feel like wouldn't you have like a soft spot for stuff uh i'm looking at his like the postman i've never i've never actually seen the Postman. Three thousand miles to graceland never seen that either how have you not seen three thousand we've talked about this when it was released on blu-ray but like kurt russell courtney cox christian slater kevin pollock david arquette john lovitz Thomas Hayden Church, Bokeem Woodbine, Ice-T. Yeah, it's crazy. That's one I just missed when it came out. I remember it was like hard R-rated and like, you know, I couldn't go see it in theaters or <laughs> anything. You can't release that Blu-ray you got at the store because, you know, you cracked that bad boy. Yeah, open. you know what? We've still got it sitting around, I think. I think. Is it in the bin? Is it five bucks yet? <laughs> no, I think it's still, I think we got one still hanging around for somebody some lucky person yeah i don't know i'm just looking at his film art i mean yeah he's been in some like i liked the untouchables i guess or jfk but i never really think about him in those movies so so next up we have 2ldk this is part of the dual project in the early 2000s which was I can never remember the director of 2LTK's uh, name. Yeah, it's somebody I'm not that familiar with. Yukihiko Tsutsumi, who is incredibly prolific, but doesn't have any of those uh, international breakthroughs. Yeah, films. I was looking up his filmography and be like, what else did this guy do again? And I'm like, wow, 80 directorial credits, and I haven't heard of a single one beyond I this I think one. the most famous one he did was the uh, 20th Century Boy Trilogy. I believe he directed that. It says here that it's on his IMDb, and that's a really uh, great series of films. But this got on my radar because the person who challenged him was Yue Kitamura. And he made a film called Aragami, which is Media Blasters putting that one out as well again? Because they I own the rights to it. No, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I feel like they are just re-putting it. I mean, they're putting out his Alive soon on Blu-ray, Ooh, which I don't the know. The movie's so bad, but I'm going to buy yeah, it because I'm a sucker. It. Yeah, that'll be coming in soon. So I don't know. Any of the stuff they put out in the past, I feel like they could put out again. I saw both of these films on the same night. At the Fantasia Film Festival. Oh, cool. I haven't seen I the other one. was my dad and my brother, and it did not go over Ooh, well. They didn't like it? They didn't like it? No, they didn't <laughs> like it. But I would say, out of both of them, even as a Kitamura stan, 2LDK is definitely the superior film. Yeah, this movie's a lot of fun. And the two, I mean, just such a simple premise, you know, like the whole concept of the project, where just two actors in one location and it's great it's i mean i love movies about actor about actors and like the jealousies between actors and yeah it's just two two female roommates who are actors and they're up for the same part and it comes it's down to the two of them and they basically have like an all-night brawl both like psycho first psychologically and then physically uh about who's who's the better person really uh um, very physical very and it gets very physical yeah it gets very violent and bloody towards the end but it always has like you know its tongue firmly in its cheek it's not like gory and like any sort of like really like 
visceral grisly way it's always like a fun it's always just got like a fun vibe so about it. yep good movie the blu-ray i actually checked because i have the dvd and it has a bunch of special features that are not on the dvd i know this was put out as part of tla's danger after dark series remember when they did that back in the day initially oh, that's who put it out so media blasters did put out erigami and dvd they did not, they did not put no. out 2ldk so it's weird that they're putting it out now well, no this is unearthed that's putting out Oh, it's unearthed. Not Media Blasters. Oh, that makes sense. That's why there's extra special features, because Media Blasters usually doesn't go the extra mile. Yeah, and the old, like, TLA disc of this does not look very good at all, so I'm sure this will probably be a bit of an upgrade, Uh, especially since the movie is really nicely shot, too. I really, really love the cinematography in this. He shoots the apartment in so many interesting different ways. So if you missed this because it was in the glut of uh, Japanese extreme movies that were coming out, check it out. And it's not even that extreme, like comparably, like it's pretty, yeah, like it's something I feel like you could watch with somebody who's not as like an into extreme horror or anything either. It's more just like an absurdist and dark comedy with like some moments of violence here and there. All right. Next up, we're moving into Mark territory. What do we got, Mark? We've got the 10th anniversary edition of Grave Encounters, which I'm sure you're a big fan of. A movie right? that nobody really likes. Oh, come on. Does nobody like Grave Encounters? I thought, I mean, they made a sequel, which is. I mean, people love Grave Encounters too when they go on the elevator and they're like, we're still here uh, no i hate grave encounters too i remember oh going, you hate grave encounters yeah, see, grave too. encounters 2 did not work for me i went to remember excitedly going to see that i think also at toronto after dark whenever that played and just not was the cover it. like a green monster coming towards the camera yeah yeah basically i really maybe you know i i obviously have a so- real soft spot for found footage big fan and when the first grave encounters came out it just like hit so perfectly as like just like a perfect kind of like blair witch project sort of like successor where it just it just gets the found footage thing right it just really makes you feel at least to me like you're in this haunted asylum with these people and yeah for those who don't know it's basically a riff on like paranormal state type shows where you have like a bunch of ghost hunters and like a really like over-the-top host and they're going into an apparently haunted asylum that's been shut down and they basically get trapped in there it's not really much more to it than that but it just like has a ton of atmosphere it doles at the scares really well and the actors are all really solid in their roles and i just had a great time with this and it's been out of print shockingly on it was out on dvd when it first came out it's been out of print for years and years uh but now it's back on blu-ray from a small label giant interactive who have billed this as a 10th anniversary edition there's a few features on it it's not crazy though or anything but if you're a fan of found footage this is one of the better ones of the last couple decades found that's footage for sure. died it feels like we haven't talked about a found footage film in a million well years. if you look at like Tubi or prime found footage certainly has not died <laughs> anybody is just picking up a camera and making a found footage movie these days which i kind of like i mean that's kind of the whole point of why found footage was appealing at least to me in the first place they're all bad i mean yeah they're all like essentially the same thing i mean i would say the best recent one i saw that was kind of off the beaten track was a movie called horror in the high desert i don't know if you've heard of that but anyways that's a movie on 2b which is kind of again just like made by some people just on the cheap but it's uh it's creepy and like i feel like you don't really need a budget if you you can still make it really creepy if you just have a good sense of like where to what you're shooting and where like the mechanics of how to make a found footage movie so and make sure that everybody dies at the end and it's very unsatisfying exactly and it's ambiguous so you don't know what happened. <laughs> no thank you <laughs> 
But, you know, Grave Encounters is really great. If you want a really good classic, I would say that and also uh, Gonjium Haunted Asylum. I don't know if you've seen that one. Oh, Korean. That, yeah, that's it's from ages that ago. That was from like five years ago, maybe. I mean, it's it's more recent. It's more recent than Grave Encounters. Gonjium? Uh, you're right. 2018. Right. Yeah, come on now. Um, so those two, I would per- say, are some of the better ones uh, in recent years. All right, so next up, we have The Novice from IFC. Yeah, this is a new movie starring Isabel Furman, who's best known as uh, the childlike Esther from Orphan. You remember Orphan, right? Yeah, she's 30 years old. Yeah, no, I love her. I love her in Orphan. And this is a new, this is a really cool little indie flick that she did last year where she's basically like a college student who joins the rowing team. Well, how could she be a college student? She's like 50 now, I know, right? right? It's crazy. It's crazy. It's all part of the Orphan extended universe. <laughs> but she's a college student who joins the uh, rowing team, not necessarily because she's interested in rowing or is a rower she just like has a really methodical way of thinking she just wants to conquer challenges basically and she has almost like an ocd approach to like being the best rower and in like an almost mechanical sort of fashion and she basically you know drives herself crazy trying to become like the best rower on the team and it's just like a really fascinating and suspenseful portrait of like the drive to be the best kind of becoming like a like a type of psychosis in a way. Do you know that there's a new orphan prequel coming out? I do, my man, William, William Brendel. <laughs> you have no idea how many times I've checked Orphan First Kill release date. When is it coming out? But didn't he burn you with the boy too? Well, no, the boy two is great. The boy two is better than the first boy. What he did burn, what he burned me with was Separation, which was his most recent film before this, which was really bad. And also, you know, other bad movies that he's made. But um, how could he keep getting away with this? I don't know. Orphan First Kill was shot like last year. It's done. As far as I'm aware, it's completely done. And it just has been sitting unreleased. Like they just haven't. It's got a distributor. They just haven't set a release date. I've been waiting for like a year. I mean, I guess they just I feel like with something like this, they're not sure whether to release it in theaters or just straight to like VOD or something. Maybe at this point. Does a person like William Brent Bell look at himself? in the mirror and goes like nobody likes my movies what am i doing i like him william i do do him for me for me yeah you know well but when he sticks to the like franchise horror stuff you know that's that's better that's better so you like stay alive I do actually i got a soft spot for stay alive <laughs> i really wait do. what's the movie sparkle and charm that he made i don't even know what that Whoa. is he made like an indie film in 1997 oh, wow. that he co-stars in uh, Jack is in his mid-twenties and living in Texas when he gets dumped by Gwen, his gorgeous girlfriend. He decides to move to Las Vegas to sell RVs. Okay. I did not. I, I only know him post-Stay Alive uh, or Stay Alive and after that. But... I mean, the devil inside, P.U. Yeah. Wait. I mean, I'm going to be honest. The only William Brent Bell movies I like are like Stay Alive, Stay Alive, and the two boy movies. Yeah. The only <laughs> franchise he has is The Boy. Shh. You don't like the boy one that much. Yeah, the boy two is better than the boy for sure. Let's spoiler alert: it's a fake killer dummy. Yeah, movie. that's the thing. The boy two is actually like a real killer doll movie, and it's got Katie Holmes it in it. It does. Yeah. All right, moving on. After all this William Brent Bell talk, we have another entry in the Polly Shore animated <laughs> corner. 
<laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't watch this, but I mean we just talked about it, so Oh well you put it on the list. I didn't say I was gonna watch it. I, I sent you a photo of it being like, Are you ready to watch this? And then you just never responded. So I, I was like, Well, I'm not I'm not gonna watch this. No, <laughs> I think I responded with no. Yeah, so Polly Shore uh oh god, I'm looking at his IMDb he has so many animated films that he's doing now. Well we should talk about that after we talked about that Pinocchio movie. I went down an animated hole. And it turns out that I think the producer of those Bruce Willis films. Does he do some of these? Really? Yeah. Which is why, um, you know, Polly Shore is in all of them. And John Heater, for that matter. So, yeah, just a few weeks after Pinocchio dropped, Lionsgate is... I think Lionsgate's just going to start putting out a bunch of these now. Wait, is it only John Heater in this one? I think it may be. No, it's both of them again. That's the only reason I put it on here, because it was just so ridiculous that this is coming out less than a month after. I don't even know what this one about is about. About... A, a sweet monster, I guess. Uh, it's another Russian animated film, it looks like. Uh, Princess Barbara is secretly in love with Prince Edward. When the sneaky post clerk Weasel demands the Weasel. king to marry him to Barbara, she flees. <laughs> do you think uh, Polly Shore plays Weasel? Yeah, does, he, does he do his Weeze thing? That was his like that was his nickname, wasn't it? The Weeze. Yeah, the Weeze. <laughs> uh, Hilary Duff plays Princess Barbara. No, Polly Shore's not in this oh, one. I thought he was in this one. He's on the cover, though. Yeah, he's uncredited. It looks like because I'm looking here. Well, he better he better play the Weeze. It wouldn't make sense if he didn't play Weasel. Yeah, he's not even on the IMDb page. Wow, how about so, that? So let's just assume he plays the Weasel. Let's assume he plays the Weeze. That's the only way. This that, makes any you know, sense. That life. This makes any you sense. You know, right? has any meaning if he doesn't play the Weasel. <laughs> All right, last movie. Mark put it last on the list. That means you watched it, didn't you, Mark? No, I didn't. I'm sorry. I just, I had <laughs> to, you know, I can't not mention the like crappiest looking VOD movie coming out each week, but I just don't always have the time to watch them, Justin. I just we don't. We pushed this podcast back so you could watch movies like War Hunt. I know, I know. And you know, I had it all queued up and I was ready to go and it just, it didn't happen for me. It didn't happen this week, but we should mention it. What it, What is War Hunt? War Hunt is a... Well, it's your favorite genre, World War II movies Ugh. mixed with mixed with horror. So, you know, okay, you got the, it's a horror World War II movie because that's never been done before. Oh, it looks right? like witch movies. I see witches in it the photos is. here. So, it stars Mickey Rourke, who has never who let me down. I'm not sure, yeah, and I'm not sure how much he's actually in this movie, you know. I feel like he's probably not. Yeah. Uh, Robert Nepper is in this uh, as well. Remember him? He's the guy from Prison Break. I think Teabag is his name. He's also in like tons of stuff. He's in, he was in the Twin Peaks Return. And it also stars Jackson Rathbone, who I believe was in Twilight. And I think he's probably the real star of this movie. Anyways, yeah, it's about a you know U.S. Army plane gets downed over Germany in a forest during World War II. And then they start to get – soldiers start to get uh, – preyed on by witches or something yeah or a, a mysterious woman in black is what it says here yeah made by a visual effects guy moro Borelli. so you know it's gonna be good he directed the wesley sniped film recall yeah, which i've always been interested so recall has been something i've always been interested in because i believe this was a vr movie remember when they were doing that oh yeah they were doing these like vr related movies and i believe that was one of them uh, I always meant to see it. And I think it's on Prime now, so I should get around to watching this. But yeah, I think this guy's mostly just a VFX guy by trade, and he's just directed a few. He directed a film called Goodbye Casanova that stars Yasmin Bleach. Yeah, I saw that. And Flea never came out. Not one review online. That was way, that was like 20 years ago. That was his, yeah, 2000 uh, it came out. Yeah, there's a few ti- I was going through his list, and there's a few titles on here that don't, looks like they were made, but didn't really come out. 
I'm sure that War Hunt is not like that at all, and it's great. Um, I don't know. I mean, I would definitely have wanted to potentially watch this if I had the time, um, or if we were doing it as a blind buy. New rule. Or, we need know. to end this podcast on a movie one of us have watched. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, I just, I tried. There was just nothing, there was nothing that was jumping out at me that... Listen, we to. gave people the Kevin Costner talk they've been demanding. We um, did. Yeah, exactly. I think we've I think we've I think we've given people their money's worth this episode. Yeah, right? zero dollars. That's how much they're spending yeah, on this. You know, look, if somebody's gonna pay me if if a listener wants to pay me to watch War Hunt, then I'll be all over it. Hey, once we get a thousand listeners, we're only five hundred away. Then we can start doing a Patreon where oh god, what are we gonna have to do there? <laughs> oh god, yeah. Hey, Look, I'm I'm uh, not above taking money to watch whatever, so I'm just putting it out there, people. I, I'll watch whatever comes out on DVD or Blu-ray, and we'll talk about it. Whatever. I don't yeah, even care. Yeah, Patreon could be, like, we do a deep dive into, like, a real bad VOD trash. There's a lot. That's the thing. There's a lot that comes out each week, and I'm like, oh, this would be fun to watch. Oh, that'd be fun to watch, even though they're all going to be terrible, but... But if you were getting, like, a hundred bucks to watch that movie? Yeah. The VOD landscape, you know, it's just so, like, full of shit you know these days like there's just so much that gets released week to week it's like it's hard enough keeping up with like you know vod action movies let alone vod like horror or sci-fi or anything else so or westerns for that matter or animated russian animated movies so if you want us talking about that you can either give us a thousand dollars a month yourself or spread the word review us on apple podcast yeah. uh, share us on the blu-ray forums you frequent tell your friends you gotta listen to this you'll learn about movies you never knew were coming out like war hunt yeah the host didn't watch it but that's why we need more listeners you're your, we're your one-stop shop for vod trash you know what other what other podcast devotes themselves to utter utter garbage? No like one. Us? All those Blu-ray podcasts—they're just talking about like uh, the new Shout Factory movie. Yeah, let's talk about boutique releases. You know, we're we're doing the we're doing the Lord's work talking Who about the blue collar Blu-ray podcasts. And yeah, podcasts. Lionsgate's re- Lionsgate's weekly releases. All right, so that's it for the Base Street Video Podcast this week. My name is Justin the Clue, and I'm Mark Hansen. Keep on buying. Keep on renting. Kevin Costner movies. These movies and many more are available at your local video store. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> Did your parents like really love Kevin Costner? That's why you dislike him? I don't think they felt either way about him. I don't think, it, yeah, Kevin Costner's just never really factored into my life that much. But whenever I see him, I just have an aversion. <laughs> Guess who's got a new stepdad? <laughs> no. You, and it's Kevin Costner. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he's a really nice guy in, in real life. He's probably not. He just seems like kind of a Republican type dude too, right?